0: You know, going into this Saturday, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. I mean, it, it shocked me. That's Well, here we go. It's last play of the game here. If they don't do it now, nothing's going to happen. Back in the pocket. Looks, looks, fires. Oh, my God! He caught it! He caught it! Ten, five, touchdown! This is Saturdays in the States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saturdays in the States. I'm your host, Andrew Parker. Again, this past Saturday, we didn't really have a, a lot. I-, I mean, we had one, I'd say, out of everything, we had one real game. And that was about it. Um, you know, just to get right into it. So Oklahoma State beat Tulsa 16-7. to Let me say that again. Oklahoma State, the supposed 11th ranked team in the nation, beat Tulsa 16-7. to They have a Heisman contender who should have put up easily over 200 yards. And that wasn't the case. He went 27 carries for 93 yards and one touchdown. I'm sorry, but that doesn't buy a Heisman a Heisman trophy in my books. It just doesn't, it does not. Especially in a down year with college football. I mean, I, I understand, we're in a pandemic, everything's gonna be a little bit different than it normally is, but you rush for less than 100 yards and you have all this preseason hype, I would immediately take you off my Heisman ballot off of that run, like, like off of that game, immediately. And here's the deal with the Heisman. The Heisman is such a popularity contest. I mean, there are some players who just get hot at the right time and sneak their into the top four, you know, um, discussion for best uh, best player in the nation, um, you know, I forget who it was. I think it was one of the, the USC quarterbacks under Pete Carroll, who was the only key, within recent times he's the only quarterback to be a preseason Heisman favorite and actually end up winning it at the end of the year it's only been one quarterback really in the past 20 25 years maybe 30 years that someone has entered the season with as much hype has carried that hype throughout the season and has won the trophy it's very rare that a football player college football player goes into a college football season with all that hype and you know uh and uh lets it you know um Let's it burn off at the you know consistently throughout the season, and they end up getting that trophy. It's normally you get hot early and you fall off, or you get hot late and you sneak into those top four, and you and you end up getting it. There's never really been a consistent winner throughout. You know, it's it's always been, you know, what time of the season are you getting hot. When are you getting hot? When's that game, either you know that either early in the season that just puts you off in the in the case here with uh, Hubbard, or what's the game you're late in the season that puts you on? Like that game against Alabama with Johnny Menzel, that's the game that put him on the map. That was the game, because trust me, going into the season, no one really, no one really knew who he was, expected anything out. Of him. Thinking, everybody within the Aggie land thought, oh, he's going to be good, he's going to be fine, but there was never anybody going into that season saying, yeah, we got this. This kid out of Texas A and might be really good. I could see him winning the Heisman. No, that that never happened. So, just to bring it home with this argument, Hubbard: twenty-seven carries, ninety-three yards, one touchdown in a sixteen to seven win over. Tulsa. And all respect to Tulsa. But again, these are one of those opponents that Oklahoma State put on their team and thought, we're going to show off our shiny player. We're going to show off all the cool things he can do. He's going to run for 250 yards, four touchdowns. We're going to blow him out 48 to seven. It's going to be great. And no, Tulsa was like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And it says here, he was limited to 35 yards in the first half. Like, that's that's just—that's not respectable, especially from Oklahoma State, especially in the Big 12, which, I'm not going to lie, is arguably the worst, most embarrassing conference this year in college football. I'm going to say that again. The Big 12, as of right now, is the worst and most embarrassing conference in college football. I'd say the American is far better than the Big 12 right now. The Big 12 is an absolute joke, and I'm not going to lie to you fans. Through those who have been listening, who listened to me at all last season— um, in the inaugural uh, year of this podcast, I don't like the Big 12. I really don't. I don't like the way how, how I could play defense for one of those teams because they really don't have any defense. This was just... Just pathetic, and the fact that Oklahoma State is still you know, ranked as high as they are, really, I mean, again, I'm taking the rankings so thus far with a grain of salt because next year the SEC starts playing. It's not until October then the Big Ten starts playing, and so with that, I really am not buying a ranking. You know, I'm really not buying a team's ranking right now. You know, so I just wanted to start off with Oklahoma State. Yeah, you won, but really, if I'm a fan, man, I should be scared and worried for the rest of my season because I guarantee you, you do that performance against Oklahoma and you're going to get smacked. Cincinnati beat Austin P. 55-20. to uh, Louisiana beat Georgia State. They came back in overtime. They came back in overtime. And I get it, they're ranked, and again, I don't really believe in it. And you may be thinking, Andrew, that t- that, that you no, know, that's not a that's not a power five team. That's you know, that should really change their ranking. I don't know. Again, rankings, like I just said, they don't really matter. Good for them. I, I kind of respect them for just keeping them in the rankings. Again, I guarantee you some of these teams are just gonna fall out once the big boys start playing, so good for them. Pitt beats Syracuse. Uh, again, Pitt. They're ranked, uh, again, I bet you they're gonna fall out once the big boys start playing. Not to say that they're not one of them, but they, come on. We all know the the game that they're all playing. Notre Dame at UCF, Woo, yay! Good job Notre Dame, you did what you were supposed to do. You know, here's my d- deal with Notre Dame. Here's the issue that I have with Notre Dame. If any other school like Iowa or Minnesota or Purdue, did what Notre Dame did last year they wouldn't even be ranked. I the thing that just I, I have a weird conspiracy theory about this and it's that a lot of the people at the AP poll are all secret like Notre Dame enthusiasts or they all have some tie, deep lineage to Notre Dame because Notre Dame history and all the players and I'll never take that away from them. But within recent years they get all of this publicity and i don't feel it's even deserved i mean it's i mean i feel like they rely too much on their past to where it doesn't even make sense i mean if anything they're kind of like miami in the sense that recently i mean yeah they've been good but they were not what they were haven't won a national title in in over 20 years um it's just i don't get how notre dame consistently is ranked in the top 10 and some other schools aren't like Notre Dame is this weird double double standard school because of the history and the 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 myth and the character within the school. I don't I just don't get it. I mean Notre Dame's that team where I am going to place Notre Dame in the same bucket as Oklahoma State or Cincinnati where and this, I'll even say this even before COVID, you know, and all these, you know, the rankings are a lot uh, looser this year. I'll even say, I've even thought this, you know, last year and the year before, you know, when I was a college football fan, I'm like, I get that they have history, but I don't respect them as much as a Clemson or an Alabama. I don't think they're that legitimate. I, I don't. I mean, they didn't do too well in the playoffs. Last year, they faced Iowa State in a laughable bowl game. I mean, I just, that's the thing. I just don't get it with Notre Dame. The fact that Notre Dame can come off of a season like last year and then now be ranked seventh in the nation, like that just that doesn't make sense. It just because again, if if Miami did that, that wouldn't happen. If Purdue did that, that wouldn't happen. I feel like it's just because of the history that Notre Dame has that they get that benefit of the doubt. It just I, I just I don't know. I don't agree with it. UCF beat Georgia Tech convincingly, UCF, honestly, as I've been on the flip side of what Notre Dame, I think UCF is a lot more legitimate of a program these past three seasons than Notre Dame has ever been. I think UCF is an amazing program. I think I saw the stat within the past three years, they've only lost three games or something. Um, It's truly remarkable. Truly, truly remarkable. And here's my theory. Here's an early theory I've had about the college football playoff. I feel that if your team went there one year and got the absolute shit kicked out of you, you shouldn't be allowed to go next year. After that, you should go. But you should you should automatically if you don't get if you don't put up a single that should be their qualifier is if you don't put up a point your your one appearance you know that you're there the next year you're not allowed to come until until the year after that because I've seen Oklahoma go. They haven't made—and they've had that one memorable game, memorable game against Georgia, against Georgia and the Rose Bowl. Classic game. You know, in that instance, totally allowed to come back. They put up a fight. But, you know, remember one time they got, they got shut out by Clemson. They got—I mean, they didn't get shut out, but they got convincingly beat by Clemson the first time. Then they got just steamrolled by Alabama. And then this pastor in the playoff, they didn't even stand a chance against LSU. I don't even know why any Oklahoma fans went to that game. It was a complete disaster for them, an utter joke. I just, I just see that, and I think to myself, this is what, this is my thought: is okay, so Oklahoma gets blown out that year, they're not allowed to come, and if UCF goes undefeated, slip them in slip them in. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know if a power, if a group of five teams should belong to the playoff. Really? Because Oklahoma sh- sh- showed they couldn't do it. Notre Dame has showed they can't do it. I mean, Michigan State showed they couldn't do it. I'm just saying that I feel that there's, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked in the playoff to make it more interesting. You, I think this is the year where need to, they need to find a good, and I hope that there is, a good group of five team that fights for the right to be in the playoff. Because right now UCF, there's been there's been times where they should be in there. Because I guarantee you that if Miami was on that winning streak, if Iowa was on that winning streak, if any other Power Five team was on that winning streak, they'd get put in that second year. And the fact that UCF, UCF didn't is an utter joke to the. It's just a joke. Um, and I don't agree with it. So hats off to UCF. I'd say that was one of the legitimate wins that I saw against Georgia Tech Saturday. That's one where okay, yeah, you know, uh, Coach Frost is gone. It doesn't matter. The culture's still there. The winning is still there. The recruiting's still there. Everything is still there. UCF is still fighting for that respect. I love it. I have high hopes for UCF this season. Now, are they going to get pushback in the rankings like when these other teams are joining? Of course, of course. But I have a feeling that they're winning in the past three years that only, I think, what did I say, only lost three games the past three or something like that. I mean, they've lost less than five, I can guarantee you that, has has given their ranking legitimacy. And they will stay, I would say, in the top 15 even after all those teams joined. So UCF, one of the first convincing wins I saw Saturday. Hats off to them. Hey, Marshall beat Appalachian State. I think I called that last week. I can't remember. And then Clemson beat the Citadel. I'm not going to comment on that. Um... And then Miami just manhandled Louisville. They just manhandled them. And again, there was you know the one play where the, there was a coverage blown and it went like seventy-five yards. We have that one seventy-five-yard run around the side. I mean, that's just sad defense. That's just sad defense on Louisville's part. You know, uh, there was a there's a, a tweet today by somebody that I follow on college football. There, it's a college football page. I can't remember. Um, if I do, I'll, I'll make sure to give them credit next week on the episode. Um, they posed a tweet, and it said, Miami is blank. And there's a lot of people saying, like, back or great or whatever, you know, underrated, overrated, things like that. I said, I would say right now, they're gaining momentum. They're gaining momentum. And, and Coach Diaz does a great job. Their offensive coordinator was at Auburn, which is a huge reason why they were so successful those uh, few years while he was there. I mean, they picked an amazing offensive coordinator. And when your head coach is a defensive-minded guy – I know it's early, and I know that there's a lot of season left. Next year, they have a they face a or next season, next week they face a struggling Florida State t- you know a team. I get that. That's you know, but regardless, this is a team where I'm saying it right now. I can see Miami doing big things. Now, will they? Like I said, we'll see a lot of season. These are just college kids. They mess up. Who knows? He's building a culture there, though. I, saw, I think that was one thing that I saw. He, man, Coach Diaz is building a culture there in Miami. And it's the perfect storm, too. You have an offensive coordinator who was under Gus Malzahn at Auburn, who, you know, coached, who's the reason why they won so many games, won so many great, um, you know, classic games with Alabama in, you know, um, national championship contender a lot of the years. He's the reason why, Okay. With that, you have a, a huge Miami guy, in Coach Diaz. His dad used to be the mayor of the city of Miami. I mean, again, it's all about culture in college football. It's all about culture. If Kirk Ferentz was coaching in Miami, it would look uncomfortable and weird, and they'd do really bad. But it makes a difference when the guy leading your team represents your community. It, it makes a huge difference. And Coach Diaz is as Miami as it gets, and he's doing a phenomenal job. And plus, they have a Hall of Famer in there, Ed Reed, who's doing all of this work. He is, he's the uh, uh, chief of staff, I think that's what his, office, his name is, which is so cool. But again, he's in there to, to, to um, reinstate the culture, to reinforce you know, what it means to be a hurricane. It's a really big deal to him. And I think that, you know, when, when kids, you know, millennials, people my age, when we go to these colleges, I think they get, you know, two, because um, back in like I'd say 20 years ago, 10 years ago, before all the tech stuff started happening, you legitimately went there because of the, the tradition. You went there because of the history. You went there because of, you know, you saw past players go through there and you saw them have great careers in the NFL, have great college careers, legendary careers, and you wanted that. And now I feel that that's not as much as the case. I feel that a little bit of it is, you know, or a lot of it with Slewis trying to take over is, what? who's the coolest locker rooms? Who has the coolest facilities? Who has the coolest uniform? Like it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. The fact that, you know, Hall of Fame players have played at your school and, you know, all these legendary um, teams have played there. Yeah, that, that, that has weight, but it's not as much weight as what's cool and what's interesting and all of that stuff. Because, again... I mean, you can win all the games you want, but if you don't have an amazing locker room, an amazing uh, players' lounge, all this stuff, you're not getting the recruits. And I hate to say that, but it's true. If you do not consistently renovate your facility and put millions of dollars into it, it's not going to attract anybody. And it's sad, but it's the truth with college football. Money and this is a very um, controversial statement what I'm going to say money helps winning. Money helps winning. It just does. It, it, it does if i'm a five-star recruit i mean and you have two great programs but the one program has better facilities and i'm going to be spending a majority of my time as a student athlete in those locker rooms those players and those weight rooms and the, like yeah i'm going to the nicer place even if the other team has just as many wins just as many championships yeah no that's that's the the issue that's the thing so um I'm just saying, just to bring this all home, the fact that they have a Hall of Fame, true Miami legend, Ed Reed there, just reinforcing, like, hey, I was a hurricane, this is what it means to us, and consistently making sure that that culture, that Miami edge is still there within the locker room, at practice, and all that stuff. I mean, again, you couldn't have more of a perfect storm, and I know, haha, ha, um... No pun intended, but you could not have more of a perfect storm brewing for the hurricanes right now. You really couldn't. So I'm going to say this right now, talent wise, you know, maybe they're not there yet, the recruiting's not there yet. Um, like I, like you saw last night, defense was consistent, had some great tight end play. But I'll tell you this, the culture is where it all starts, and Coach Diaz is doing an amazing job. So I will say this, Miami is gaining momentum and based off of all those things that I stated, I only expect them to lose one game, maybe two. But that's it. That is it. Sadly, North Carolina's game last night got canceled. It got freaking canceled. Hey, still undefeated. Screw Duke. And then uh, the Army game got postponed. Uh, that's a shame. I really, you know, Army's that team where I really like it when the, the Arm, Armed Forces um, institutions are ranked, and I'm a huge fan of Army. So uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see them play. It would have been fun to, to see if they could continue that. Next week, next week is when we tip the scale and the SEC joins. The SEC starts playing, and the rankings are gonna. We're gonna start seeing, you know, uh, a maturation of how they start to ranking these teams. Because week one, they were struggling. Like, right? Who do we put in? Who's ranked? Uh, That that team won. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Now it's now it's okay. Who who won convincingly? And and they're starting to. As the more teams start to join in, and they're starting to realize, yeah, we can't actually play college football during all this those rankings are going to start to solidify and, add, and and be more meaningful. So Oklahoma is going to face K-State. I'm going to pray for Kansas State. Florida faces Ole Miss. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, with Coach Kiffin there. I, I bet you I, I can see Ole Miss giving Florida a run for their money. I really can. I, I think Lane Kiffin is a super great, is a really great coach, the ton of potential here. I can see him really you know landing his position at a, at a college and, and lasting a long time here. You know, they may not have a great season, but I can see them in a lot of close games. Um, My mind says Florida, but hey, because it's college football, my heart says Ole Miss in this one. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to roll Wake Forest. Kentucky and Auburn. This is going to be a really fascinating game. And although Auburn is is favored by 10.5, again, this is a week one game. It's going to be close. Kentucky's also ranked going into it. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to pick Auburn, but I can see Kentucky making it close. UCF facing East Carolina. You already know who I'm going to pick on that. Georgia Southern and Louisiana. We all got the – I want Louisiana to keep winning. Louisville and Pitt. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is going to win. I think Pittsburgh came off a really big-time win this past week. They're gaining momentum again. I think they're one of those ACC teams where they're starting to string together wins early in the season. It's the little things that are going to add up to them, and I think that's going to make a difference. Uh, LSU and Mississippi State. You know, LSU is going to win this, but it's going to be interesting to see if they're hungover from last year or if, they're, if Coach O has really built this up. You know, because that's the thing with making a, a great program is, yeah, you may be able to do it one year. You may be able to have all the right pieces in for that one year, but can your culture carry on to next year and the next week and the next game? and the next weightlifting session, and the next time you're doing sprints. Like, all this stuff. It all it all accumulates, and it has to carry over. Like, being great is not a sometimes thing. Being great is an all-the-time thing, and that's what we're going to see with LSU is, can they continue it? Because Alabama's proved they can. Clemson has proved they can. Ohio State has proved they can. But can LSU? This is the first time, you know, they've, they've, they're have they've they really in that Final Four, that, that playoff contention um, discussion, and they're expected to be there. So we're going to see if... All those players that got drafted away, we're gonna see. Can you? Do you have to rebuild or can you reload? There's two difference between rebuilding and reloading, and we're gonna see which one LSU is this season. I think they're gonna win this game pretty handily, but this season we're gonna see that. Texas and Texas Tech. I bet you Texas wins this. They're favored by 16 and a half, but I can see it because it's the Big 12 and there's literally no defense. I can see them winning like 59 to 42 or something just ridiculous. Um, I can see it being a true shootout. Army and Cincinnati, boy, I want Army to win this game. I'm gonna pick Army just because I think that um, they're two and zero, they're ranked. I think that the way that they can run that ground uh, option game, when it it's not ideal, and today it's not ideal today, but when you have the athletes and the discipline to pull it off, it can work. It can beat teams down. It can wear them out. And it does great things. It's honestly probably one of the most effective offenses because if you think about the ground, this this you know wishbone ground ground and pound offense, which I ran in high school when I played football. Uh, when you think about it, it does amazing things. When it's ran perfectly, it wears down the defense. It makes them fatigued. You own time of possession. You own the clock. And when you score, it takes you like nine minutes to score. It takes you at least the half, if not more, to score if you run it right, which means. They don't get the ball. And if they do, if their offense isn't that, their time of possession will be very, very small compared to yours, and it slowly accumulates. So I think Army can win this game if they run it to precision. That's going to be a big time game that I'm excited to watch Saturday. Uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. I want West Virginia to win this. Oklahoma State is favored by nine. I don't see that at all after that, um, that embarrassment by, against Tulsa. I bet you that they lose and they finally kind of get to understand that they need to get it together because you can't have a horrible game like that against Tulsa and expect to be great. Like That just isn't how it works. I think Georgia is going to roll over Arkansas. I think because Kirby Smart, you know, is kind of one of those assistant coaches of uh, Nick Saban, he's one of those guys that he understands the consistency and the culture. And I think that that's one of those teams where, you know, they're going to be good this year. Not a big fan of their uniforms, but they're going to be good this year. So uh, Alabama, Alabama, and Missouri. I'm going to pray for Missouri. Uh, Vandy and A and M. Gonna pray for A and M. And this is that. This is another season. Um, uh uh under under their new coach, under A&M's new coach, and uh it's going to be interesting to see where he takes off. It's gonna be really interesting to see where he takes off. So we're I, I, there's an easy win, but that's A an, and M's a team that I expect a lot of this year. Um, and then uh is is it says here I think yeah, next week's Miami, Florida State I got the Canes in this one. They're favored by 10 and a half. I I bet you they win. It's going to be a close, hard-fought rivalry game. We all know the significance of this in the, in the landscape of college football, this rivalry game, but uh, I got the Canes. I think this is a game, this is going to be that game where, depending on how they win it, if they win it close, it's going to be like, eh, okay. But if they win it convincingly against a Florida State team like this, I think we're going to kind of see that Miami, that it's going to be a special season. But it's, it's it's contingent on this game. This is a big-time game. Big-time game, so we'll see. Tennessee and South Carolina, Tennessee's that school that should be – again, Tennessee's in that, in that Notre Dame category where I don't get how Notre Dame can do what Tennessee does, but still get consistently I – I mean, Tennessee, I, I hope they win. I mean, again, they're ranked 16th, but they're only favored by 3.5. That's very accurate. This is the year or else that, that coach – I know he, he used to work at Alabama. He used to be the Alabama coach. I can't think of his name right now. Um, you better figure it out. This is the year he better figure it out or else he's gone. And Tennessee goes into another spiral of rebuilding, and it's just an absolute mess there at Tennessee, so they better figure it out. They came off a really good bowling against Indiana, um, but again, I know Tennessee, they have this look of an old blue blood program, but they're not playing that part, and this is the season that they need to make or break it under this coach. Then we have NC State and Virginia Tech. I got Virginia Tech in that one. Uh, and then BYU and Troy, I think we all know BYU should win that. I mean, that's this week's picks. Uh, again, as more teams start playing, I'm going to add more into the episodes. It's just, it's again, it's a, it's an accumulation of all the teams slowly playing. You know, SEC starts next week, then the Big Ten's going to get in, and then I know the pac is going to get in eventually. It's inevitable. Uh, um, it's just it's how things are this season. Um And here's the deal with the Big Ten being back. I commend them for being safe and caring about the players. But at the same time, I think the ACC showed that, okay, yeah, but they're going to be fine. The kids are going to be okay. And I think that was the thing that's kind of frustrating about it was all the Big Ten players who were tweeting about Let Us Play and they were giving all the reasoning. It was perfect reasoning. I mean, a lot of the kids are saying, okay, yeah, we can't play, but if you don't let us play, we go back home where everybody else is not getting the same treatment as we are weekly. We are being put into more dangerous positions where we could, if, if we could spread it, we could spread it to more the people. like the Like The players' arguments in the Big Ten were so legitimate that the fact that it took them this long to, to decide that they would be back just aggravates me. I mean, nonetheless, though, the Big Ten's back. The Big Ten is back. Um, and, and we're all going to work it out. I know last week I kind of harped and argued all about how, how are they going to pull off all the bulls stuff. I think all the bull games and all the playoffs and, and this with all the games. And I know I, 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 I kind of blew a gasket on that last week, but here's my theory is there's too many bull games. And I think they're going to cut out at least 10 of them, if not a few more. And I think we're going to kind of see, they're going to kind of see how maybe the Redbox bull is useless. Maybe the Cheez-It Bowl is useless. And you guys think I'm joking, but no, those are actual bull game names. There was a Redbox Bowl. There was a Cheez-It's Bowl. I-, I wish I could make this stuff up, but I'm not. I think they're going to kind of, this year's where they're going to say, okay, we need to cut back on all these bowl games because they're kind of stupid. And uh, I-, I hope that's what happens. At least who knows? But again, money talks. So uh, what do I know? But anyway, that's kind of where we are this week. Um, you know, big takeaways. SEC joins play next week. It's going to change a lot of stuff. The Big Ten is back. The Big Ten is back, and uh, the Canes are gaining momentum. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Look, us, look me up on Twitter. Um, just look up Saturdays in the States. Just type that in. Uh, we have a Twitter page. Our, our header is like the North Carolina quarterback. Um, you know, our, our bio says God bless Saturdays. The link to Spotify is below. Thank you all for listening. Like, share, give us a review um, wherever you can. And again, hey, thanks for listening.